0: Hello and welcome to another installment of Bar Talk Podcast, bringing you everything you need to know about law via discussions, interviews, and news updates. Uh, welcome everybody to another edition of the Omaha Bar Association Bar Talk podcast. I am your executive director Dave Summers and I have the pleasure today of sitting down with Justice Funk of the Nebraska Supreme Court to discuss cameras in the courtroom, media and their covering of the courts in his role as I believe you are the co-chair of the bench media committee, correct? That's correct. We thought that this would be relevant certainly for anybody listening to uh, legal news through our podcasts and wanting to know about what's going on in the cameras in the courtroom, what you've seen on the nightly news and in the newspapers, and um, answer some of the questions that you have as to why there's uh, cameras doing certain things and why they are doing other certain things. Justice Funk, welcome. Thank you so much for having us here today. Thank you. If you could just take us through the background this bench media committee and even before it how has Nebraska fared with Cameras in the courtroom and video feeds and all of that?
1: Well, cameras in the courtroom in Nebraska is uh, relatively new compared to a lot of states. There's probably 35 or 40 states now that allow some form of cameras in the, in the courtroom. Iowa's been doing it for probably 30 or 35 years. Wow. And so we started um, Judge Hutton from Sarpy County and myself, uh, Judge Remire and, 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 and District Court in Odo County. Judge Korsland and, and, and Gage County, all kind of started pilot projects to allow cameras in the courtroom. Uh, Judge Hunt and I did it in Sarpy in the jail courtroom. Um, and we used just, uh, really it was really for arraignments and bond settings. And so the media could come in and do it that way. Judge Korsland was the first to do it in a trial. He did a jury trial, I think it was a murder trial. Uh, and did that in, in Gage County. And then Judge Remeyer did several of them including the uh, state v. COFOD bench trial in, in, in du- or Cass County. So we started doing this probably 2007, 2008. Uh, and so lots of districts in the state adopted um, kind of pilot project rules to do this. And so we had a hodgepodge of rules cut across the state. And the chief justice obviously was a, a big advocate of cameras in the corner. We wanted to do this and thought it was good for the Uh, the judicial branch for people to see what goes on in the courtrooms and how difficult uh, the job is for the judges and the lawyers and uh, that was a good opportunity to expose the public to what happens in the courtroom so he was a big advocate of moving forward with this and uh, the concern was having 10 or 12 different rules across the state so he asked myself and Judge Rudelsdorf to put together this group to unify our, our do uh, unified rules for for the whole state so we asked judge uh, Hutton and judge Otepka who were on the bench media committee uh, originally they were doing that for years they call it the people committee and asked them to join this group and then we got a couple other judges across the state and we started working on uh, unified rules for uh, the whole state that took about a year and a half Uh, we got a lot of input from the media we got input from the district judges, the county judges, uh, the court administrator's office, um, and then finally got to rules that we felt comfortable with and we submitted those to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court put those out for publication or comments and, um, and then adopted them. Really, I think the end of about November of 2016 mm-hmm. uh, took effect then in, in March of 2017. So we've been going at it for almost a year and a half, now over two years.
0: And what would you say the report card is
1: back so far? It's, it's positive. It, it's really been a pretty seamless transition. And you know we talked to the judges in Iowa before we did this, and we kind of got their input on how the process worked. And they told us they didn't think it was a big deal. They thought it, was, you know, it would be no problem to implement it in Nebraska. And I think the key to us doing this was we got a lot of buy-in from the judges uh, we let them uh, kind of help fashion what the rules would look like, give their input. So I think that was really important. We asked the, the Bar Association for input. We got input from attorneys. We um, talked to you know, the prosecutors and we offered to talk to the defense attorneys. Um, we tried to get input from all the stakeholders across the state and to see what you know, their concerns were. Then we tried to tailor the rules to, um, to address those concerns. And it really, starting March 1, 2017, it's gone about as well as we could hope for. There's always gonna be hiccups, and there are some issues that we've had to deal with, issues of a microphone being placed on the judge's bench and how that would work. Sometimes there's a denial for um, media requests and uh, what the process is to deal with those denials, things of that nature. But all in all, we're very satisfied with with the effort uh, that's been put in and the results.
0: It really, I mean, the end-all be-all of it is educating the public as to what's going on in the court system, right?
1: Well, really, I mean, in years gone past, it was people came to the courthouse to see the news. That's where Mm -hmm. things happened, and they came to the courthouse and they watched trials and see what was happening in their communities, and today that's not feasible, and there's so many cases going on and people um, are busy in their own lives. So this is an opportunity just for the the general public to understand what's happening in in our courtrooms in Nebraska. And it's neat to turn on the news and you see a story about a a specific case, uh, a ruling by a judge, a sentencing uh, by a judge, Uh, and a lot of those cases now have video of what's going on in the courtroom. A lot of them even have audio, which allows the general public to hear what uh, the attorneys argued, what the litigants uh, may have said, what the judge decided on. So I think it's, a, it's an opportunity to expand what, what, what we do every day to the general public so that they can see what's going on and, and what we're doing.
0: Has there been any statistics about news stories covering um, the justice system, covering the courts m- more because of this new we initiative? Don't have,
1: we haven't done a lot of uh, statistical analysis yet. When we started the process, we one of the first requirements was the media had to be credentialed. Uh, we would make sure that we had um, uh, the proper media in, in the courtroom using the expanded media coverage. So we asked that they be credentialed. And in March of 2017, we had 300 media credentialed as of that date. And that number only growing since then. And uh, so that's one statistic that we rely on and say you know, that's that's a pretty good number. Um, but all in all, we don't have the exact, we know how many requests there have been. We know. Um, you know what kind of cases they are, but we've not really put that together in, in any form to re- revisit that at this point
0: if you could just briefly outline some of the things that aren't allowed to be covered you mentioned you know a, a mic on on the judge's bench things like that what what are the restrictions that are out there and and why can't can't that be accessed or or videoed?
1: The biggest thing that that we're concerned about and we were we uh, preclude is covering the the jury uh, in any. of jury trial so that uh, in before the trial there's jurors congregating in the hallway they can't be videoed uh, during voir dire um, jury selection you can't video and you can't video the jury coming or going to the trial or during the trial Um, we will allow the rec the the receiving of the verdict but we won't allow any video of the jury when that's being done and the reason is that we want the, the general public to feel comfortable making those decisions. When judges make decisions, they understand that they're going to make those decisions, it's going to be public, and they've signed up for the responsibilities associated with that. With a juror, uh, it's your civic duty and obligation to be a juror. Um, You don't have a lot of say in whether you're going to be a juror or not, and we don't want people to uh, be hesitant to be jurors because they might be shown on TV, so that's probably the biggest preclusion or prohibition is to prevent the jurors from being seen on, on TV or on the radio. So that's uh, that's a big one. We don't allow it in juvenile cases for obvious reasons. We don't want to have those issues um, put out there and, and uh, mar a, a juvenile's future and, and have that to come back to, to be a concern for them as well. Um, and we don't do it in pretrial motions at this point just because we don't want to uh, potentially taint a jury pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's something that we're revisiting and reconsidering and how much that's a real concern or not. But initially that was a concern we had. And so we don't want issues like confessions uh, that may be an issue on motion, motion to suppress to uh, be covered by the media and then that to be put out there. And then the judge were to grant the suppression. And the confession doesn't come in. And then uh, all the potential jurors have heard the confession, seen it on TV. And it never comes into trial so those are the kind of the issues that we're concerned about I
0: be, I believe if I understand it right there's been an education of the media along with this so that when they are covering these things they they understand better what uh, what's going on the processes the the procedures in place um, can you talk a bit about that
1: we thought it was really important to uh, educate all the stakeholders involved in this rulemaking process so Uh, We came, as mentioned, to the district judges and the county judges and took their input and educated them what the rule would look like. Uh, We went to the uh, County Attorneys Association, had that same conversation. Uh, We've done that with the media. uh, And we made a commitment, this committee made a commitment to all the stakeholders that we were going to be here long term to deal with issues that come up and to continue to educate all the parties. Now, the the attorneys are pretty educated on it. have a good handle, and I don't think there's a need for additional education, but the media, uh, obviously there's uh, turnover with the media. We have a lot of young reporters and journalists coming to the courtroom to cover cases, and that may be the first time or the second time they've ever been to a, a courtroom to cover a case. They may not know what the case is all about. They may not know a difference between a preliminary hearing and arraignments. So we wanted to take this opportunity to educate the media so that when they came to the courtroom to cover something, they had an idea of what they were going to cover. Um, that was twofold. One was that we didn't want them to disrupt the proceedings. We didn't want them to um, try to you know, put themselves where they shouldn't be in the courtroom or uh, uh, get under the ire of the judge by, by doing something they shouldn't be doing. But two, we wanted them to be accurately reporting what happened in the courtroom. We wanted them to understand why there was this proceeding, what this proceeding was about, what was the goal of the proceeding, why the judge Uh, make the decision the judge made. Um, So we want to educate the media so that they they accurately report what happens in the courtroom. And so that's been something we're doing ongoing. Um, It's a process. The bench media group is is made up of judges, attorneys, and media. And so we meet at least twice a a year, and subcommittees meet uh, more frequently, and we talk about these issues. And that's just another opportunity for us to educate the media. And the media on the bench, media group, grouper, um, more seasoned uh, journalists, been around for, for quite a while, uh, very experienced. They understand this, but it's an opportunity for them to then take back our message to the younger journalists and talk about these issues. And hopefully when they come to court, they're having a better grasp of what's really happening.
0: So giving the, the media this expanded um, coverage, the taste of it, have you found that they're, they're pushing back and wanting even more, and, and we have to pump the brakes on some of that?
1: Well, we laughed, it was kind of like Christmas for them on, on March 1st, 2017. Now they'd always been allowed to be in the courtroom and report their stories, but they didn't have the opportunity to bring in the video and, and make video. They didn't have the opportunity to bring in audio and make audio. Uh, and so, coming March 1st, they were in a lot of cases. Um, Douglas County obviously was a very, very busy county for that. Uh, we found out Madison County, uh, Norfolk area, Uh, There was a very busy area as well and part of it was because of the the media outlets in in Madison and Norfolk were very excited about being in the courtroom and so they made a lot of requests and came to the court a lot. So uh, they have been, I think the media has been very excited about this opportunity and they've used it to the fullest capacity and and they've implemented a lot of the video and the audio into their stories and it's, it's neat to be able to see that on the news when you turn on the news at night. Um, But when you talk about the next step, obviously we have set some limits, such as you can bring in one camera. Um, In Iowa, they can bring in multiple cameras. And so uh, the media would like to bring in multiple cameras in Nebraska someday. And what that does is allow them to get uh, maybe a different perspective during the proceeding. They can cover the defendant while they're covering the the witness, uh, things of that nature. Um, So that's one request. The request for having uh, wireless microphones on all the tables and and the judge's bench is another request and so we're working through that and we're talking to the judges and seeing what concerns they have um, and what issues that we should be aware of before we make any changes to the rule but yes the media as would be expected they're excited about it and they want to keep using it to the best of their ability
0: with all of this all the rules and everything and and um, policing that uh, has this created extra workload? Uh, is this done for the bailiffs? Are there media managers in the courts?
1: We have media liaisons is what we call them. And it's, uh, in the state of Iowa, that is uh, a media member. So, for example, Roseanne Shannon, who was formerly of KETV, was the media liaison in Iowa, in the, in the western part of Iowa. And her responsibility was if somebody wanted to cover a proceeding, she would. They would make that request to her. She would make it to the courts So the court was getting uh, one request from from one outlet. Um, we decided not to go that route, more so based on uh, we didn't want to have any uh, concerns about uh, turnover in the media and who that would media liaison would be and if it would change regularly. And so we asked our clerks, um, the district court clerks and the clerk magistrates from the county courts to be those media liaisons. And so. We've given them some additional training and it has increased their workload. Uh, They deal with every request that comes in by the media and they have to process that request. They have to give it to the judge. The judge has to uh, rule on it. There's an order usually that's entered and then they have to submit that order back out to, to the media. Uh, When the media comes to the hearing, usually those are the, the clerks are the ones that they talk to. Um, They find out where they're supposed to set up. Uh, what time they're supposed to be there beforehand, and what time they can leave during the proceedings. And so there is, a, a, there is more work to be done by the, the clerks, and so we appreciate their efforts. Uh, it's not what we're trying to keep them busy. We're, they're very busy already, but it, it's just an important role, I think, for the courts, and, and the clerks are very professional and do a nice job of, of making that relationship and building it.
0: And taking a step back from, from the um, bench media committee, the supreme court and the court of appeals have had their proceedings all live webcasts for for decade for a decade or more is that
1: right yeah i think it's been at least uh, 2005 2006 maybe for the uh, the supreme court and uh they partnered at the time with net television and net put uh permanent cameras up in the supreme court and i don't know about the court of appeals I'm assuming there's per- permanent, permanent cameras there as well. Uh, and then they're live streamed on NET's uh, website and then they're archived. And so uh, people can go back and, and watch those at a later time. And and neat side note, I think um, attorneys that have used the archived oral arguments to prepare for their arguments have done a, a better job. It's been a, a neat, a kind of a, teaching tool for new attorneys who have not argued before the Court of Appeals and the Supreme Court to go watch those and see what the procedure looks like and see what uh, the interaction between the court and the the attorneys are. And so I think attorneys who have done that are better prepared when they come to the court to make those arguments. So I I recommend anybody that's not done an argument before to the court it's a good place to go start.
0: And, And that's sort of something that I'm interested in with the Omaha Bar Association and talking with Creighton Law School to see if there's uh, a way that we could do that sort of live streaming of district court or county court for the law students, for the the young bar if they want to come to the law school and and see that. Maybe it's a closed circuit sort of thing, but um, this has sort of opened up my mind. Could we do that at a local level? Um, Maybe not for public media consumption, everything like that, but but more for the learning um, side of things. Because... As you said, it is a great teaching tool for the younger attorneys to see that, and I, I just enjoy watching some of the bar members that I know down there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and really for for the the appellate courts, it's it's an easy deal, you know the cameras are there and and all the process is in place for the, the trial courts. It becomes a little more difficult because of the uh, the media doesn't have time most often to sit through an entire trial, and that's the downside. It, we knew that going in that the limited resources for the media, they wouldn't be able to sit in a, in a court hearing for days and days like, like we would get to do as, as judges and attorneys. And we knew there'd be only small snippets, but you're right, that's a great opportunity if we can do more of that and we get the media have covered trials start to finish and on, in some instances. Mm-hmm. If we could do more of that, it would be a great learning tool for the, uh, the young uh, law students in law school that wanna be litigants. Well, let's go see what uh, what's happening in Douglas County today. And there's great stories to be told each and every day and and complicated cases and uh, intricate legal maneuvering by the attorneys. And so it would be a great teaching tool for them. And I think that's something that, that may not be the media that may not be able to do it for us, but uh, at some point maybe that's the law schools will will come with, with some funding and say, "Hey, how about we we do this?" and we we put cameras in. Uh, you know, a judge's courtroom and get permission to do so, and they use that as a kind of a training tool for, for the new attorneys. So I think it's a, just another opportunity to take this um, expanded media coverage into another another layer that we haven't even thought of yet.
0: Where where does Nebraska stand with the neighboring states and and how they handle um, cameras in the courtroom? Are, are are we getting to the same level? Are there crazy outliers on either side of us or? What does no, that look
1: like? I'm not completely sure on what a lot of the states are doing. You know, Iowa is one we were very familiar with because of the fact they've been doing it for 35 years, and so we, we kind of cherry picked a little bit off their experience. We found out what what did what worked and what didn't work, and what things to steer away from, and and really our rules were were taken from their rules and and, and tweaked and refined to better fit Nebraska's needs. Um, but I think this is coming more and more. I think. Uh, Even the United States Supreme Court, there's a push for them to start airing their oral arguments uh, by video and audio live, and that hasn't been adopted, and I'm not sure that it'll be done anytime soon, but at least the push is there now. People see the importance of it, and again, I mean, as a a lawyer, as a judge, uh, it's interesting for us, but if if you're a person of the general public and you're excited about some issue and you want to see it, the chance of driving to to Washington, D.C. and sit in the Supreme Court and watch that argument, is just not going to happen. And so as Americans, maybe we have the right to to see that happen and and, and watch it. Now, there are obviously obviously concerns about safety and and security and things of that nature which are are being addressed, but um, I just think it's gonna happen more and more. And I think, like I said, I think there's 35 or 40 states that are doing some type of expanded media coverage now. And so uh, we were kind of the outlier before, and now we're kind of back into the mainstream, so.
0: And as I understand it, uh, radio, TV, and newspaper, those are all the credentialed media, no, no, uh, no blogging yet, nothing like that, website-only based stuff?
1: There are certain requirements, and you have to be, and I don't have them in front of me now, but you have to be um, you know, part of a, a paper in general circulation, I think at least one, one publication a week or something of that nature, you're affiliated with one of those papers. And the reason was that we just didn't want to expand it too far early on um, and to get people that maybe were not as um, trained or educated uh, about the court process coming in and, and blogging um, live and, and being disruptive or something. You know, the, the key in, in all this is we uh, litigants have a right to you know a fair trial and we have to make sure that our rules don't, uh, jeopardize or you know inflict on that uh, that that fair trial. And so we've been very cognizant of that, and uh, the judges have a difficult job to do. I was a trial judge for uh, nine years, and so I appreciate uh, the the rigors and stress of that that position. So we didn't want to add more to the trial judge's plates uh, by having too many people come into in the courtroom and and um, tweet or. Uh, take photos or take video or, or take audio. So we try to limit that so it's manageable. And I think as time goes on, people get more and more comfortable with what they're doing. They're going to, the judges are going to not see this as an issue. Uh, and there may be more even expanded coverage down the road. But it'll take time. and It'll just take um, kind of some bumps and bruises along the way to figure out what we need to fix. And, and I think once we do that, it'll become pretty, pretty standard. And uh, I think these rules that we put in place will probably be be uh, expanded even further.
0: Is there anything in particular, or just generally speaking, when it comes to the public's understanding of how the courts function, how they work, um, that, that this has been helpful in overcoming a misconception or a misperception or anything like that?
1: Well, I, I think, you know, the media... When they, when they cover a, a story, they do the best they can to capture the emotion, um, the stress, the difficult decisions that are being made in the courtroom on a daily basis. But that's hard sometimes to do with just words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the audio and the video are better at telling that story. And uh, there's some, some really interesting stories being told in a courtroom. Lots of times, very dramatic uh, testimony going on, very emotional testimony. Uh, difficult decisions made by judges when they uh, sentence somebody. Um, and I think the, the, the expanded media coverage has allowed uh, the citizens of Nebraska to better see that part of the story. It's not just the cold words on a, on, a, on a piece of paper. It's the actual video and audio of what's going on. That tells a pretty uh, clear and detailed story of what's happening and so I think that's been the biggest uh, benefit is for the general public to appreciate um, what happens in the courtroom sometimes what uh, what how a crime can affect a family's life um, I think that's important to see uh, the difficult choices judges make when they decide a sentence of its probation or incarceration so I think all that, has been better better viewed by the public through this expanded media coverage
0: I I'll push you on another stat or or maybe just a understanding of how much of the coverage by the media is criminal versus civil
1: majority of it I think at this point has been been criminal just because um, that's obviously what the public's most aware of and concerned about but we have had some very interesting, civil cases in the last year or two um, the trans-canada uh, pipeline case very interesting and and so the the, the general public's very interested in that uh, the, the white clay uh, cases mm-hmm. with with uh, the uh, beer distributors that's a very interesting case and so the media has been been closely watching those as well so we've kind of seen the civil things uh, though we this was going to be big in the criminal world we found that the civil issues uh, sometimes was just as important and just as interesting so uh, it's nice to see that the media has picked up on that as well
0: well i i don't have any other questions is there something that i missed that you'd you'd like to add that people should know about the committee's work and what what you're doing
1: well i i what i'd like to say is you know this has been a, a team team effort when i talk about the stakeholders it's it's the the judges that have been implementing this um, it's the attorneys that have had to deal with it this is a little intrusive sometimes for an attorney who's very focused on their case and they want to try their case and and now they got to think in the back of their head well there's a camera behind me what are they focusing on are they looking at my notes are they you know taking a, a unflattering picture of me whatever the case may be um, so we understood this was going to be difficult for for the attorneys and the judges and we understood that's gonna be a, an extra work for the clerks. We knew the security staff, the deputies monitoring the courtroom was gonna be challenging for them. And that's all, the, the rules took those things into consideration and we, we thought about it. That's why we have media wearing their credential badges so that the, uh, the security people knew who they were and they knew why they had their phones out and why they were taking pictures. So uh, I appreciate all the efforts made by by those stakeholders in this. We talked to Douglas County and, and their facilities people. We talked to their security people. We went to the county attorney's office. Um, we went to all the county attorney association. Uh, we talked to um, uh, the, the the press uh, uh, press association, the broadcasters association. We, really reached out and tried to talk to as many people as we could to explain why these rules were coming into place, how we thought they would work, and then now we've taken some great input and feedback on what the rules have, have done, and, and uh, so I appreciate all the work that those people have, did, uh, have done on this project, it's something that couldn't have been done without, without the help of everyone. So
0: Absolutely, the behind-the-scenes process that laid the groundwork for this to be a success.
1: And my public information officer, uh, Janet Bancroft, she has been the go-to person for uh, all the questions that come up on the media. She did all the credentialing, her staff did all the credentialing, they continue to do credentialing, they deal with all of the uh, complaints and concerns in the media, and and, uh, so they've done a a yeoman's job and I appreciate their efforts as well.
0: Well, we really do appreciate your time today, Justice Funk, and uh, thank you everybody for listening.